0: All right, hello. What's going on? Rich Ryan here, Reinforced Running Podcast. What's up? Today, we have Corinna Coffin coming back for her second time on the podcast. The first episode that she ever dropped on was one of the most listened to podcasts that we've ever had here at Reinforced Running. And that is because she's very specialized and has a great knowledge about nutrition. So in this particular episode, we talk about four or five different athlete kind of archetypes, quote unquote, that we've come across in her coaching practice and in my coaching practice. And we just talk about different ways that these athletes can kind of navigate nutrition what they need to do to really excel when it comes to this area of, per, of their performance and of their lifestyle. So really fun conversation, a ton of cool takeaways that are really practical for the athlete and, and it spans across a huge scope of people in this. So I think you'll get some really cool information out of this. Uh, nutrition is something I'm really passionate about. Corinna speaks to it better than anybody that I know in, in the obstacle course racing space. So uh, this is a great, great conversation. Let's just do it. Corinna Coffin. All right, Corinna Coffin. How are you today? What's up?
1: Hey, Rich. I'm good. Things are good. I'm, I'm, uh, I'd like to say in sunny California, but it's not as sunny today as it usually is.
0: <laughs> when did you move out there? Because you were in like the mountain, mountains. For yeah, a while, I was right?
1: in, I was in Utah for, like four years and moved out to San Diego two months ago, so.
0: Oh, sweet.
1: Now, I'm at sea level, so I don't have the— I don't have (laughs) the—
0: The big lungs. Big lungs are gone.
1: The big lungs, sadly, are gone.
0: So, you were there in school, right? That's why you're out there?
1: I was in there for— I was there for school for two years and then stayed for— stayed for two more, because it was lovely. I probably would have stayed out there longer, but. Life happens. Life happens, life happens, the Navy, the Navy happens. And, uh, and, you know, but it's, it's been a fun ride so far.
0: So when you were at school, you were there studying nutrition, and mm-hmm. getting your degree as a dietitian, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so that is really what the basis of this whole conversation is going to be today, we're going to talk about some of the different athletes that we've come across while while coaching nutrition and talk about some of the main tips that that you could use as someone who might be wanting to dip your toe into the nutrition space, or just kind of talking about different, different barriers that people might come up across and different ways that, you know, we found using your expertise in particular to help, help guide people in an appropriate direction for, uh, for their nutrition goals. And we've kind of broken it out into like these different archetypes. We're going to touch on a couple of different archetypes and that's just kind of how this conversation is going to roll.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and I think, you know, I, I think one of the reasons why I love, and maybe you can speak to this too, but why I love doing one-on-one nutrition consultations and, and working with individuals um, rather than large groups is because you can really dive into um, their their lifestyle and their unique schedule and goals and specifics to, to their lives um, as opposed to trying to group them or mesh totally different people all into one To one group. So I really like getting to know the individual and, like, you know, what their goals are, what their barriers are, and work within their lifestyle to make something, you know, impactful happen through nutrition.
0: And that's important to note with this is because we're going to kind of clump people and like generalize things, but there's, it's not exclusive. Like we're going to be pieces of, of you might be in different parts of these archetypes and they're not all like in one box, right? but that's what makes nutrition coaching freaking hard. (laughs) There's just like, cause the individual variants are just so wide where if you're helping train somebody to get better at a deadlift, there's like a couple things that you need to address, but upfront they'll get great results up front. And then like really kind of dialing things in to the finer points of like, you know, maybe the way that their body mechanics are laid out, like maybe that's like way down the road, but nutrition is right from the start. It's like right. people have these different tendencies and you eat all the time. And like these things kind of pop up and, and they're learning about themselves and you're learning about it too. So it's hard.
1: <laughs> right. And what you're pointing to with, you know, an athletic population is now there's, there's fitness or performance goals Integrated into this, so it's it. You have to be willing to look at that side of, um, that side of things to make a good nutrition plan for an individual because you know if if they are if they're not training versus if they are training and have specific goals, like that's a completely different approach.
0: Hmm. So let's get into some of these some of these archetypes, right? So the first one that we have is I, I deemed like the unintentionally underserved and and this is something i've spoken about before and i've definitely been there myself but a lot of the athletes who i end up coming across who are endurance athletes kind of fall into this bucket in in like the broader spectrum and these are basically just athletes who are under the impression that eating clean quote unquote is the best approach for performance, uh, Mm -hmm. for one reason or another, uh, but they're not necessarily paying attention to the total volume, like caloric volume, or macronutrient volume. And because of that, they end up, you know, maybe being undernourished a little bit. Mm So Colonel, when when these athletes kind of come your way, what are some of the first ways that you kind of help give them direction or help figure out like, if this is if someone is in this like specific bucket?
1: Right. So to your point, like, first of all, people a, a lot of people think that by covering their micronutrient basis you know or or food qual their their priority on food quality um, can make up for a lack of a lack of volume or a lack of calories and in overall intake and so I think mm-hmm. to what you know what we're trying to make by by addressing this archetype is that, that that's not the case right you can you can eat the quote unquote cleanest foods which I think for most people that, just means nutrient dense, right? The, the maximum micronutrients per calorie, or nutrients per calorie, um, and so obviously those foods have um, have an importance in in your diet, in everyday diet. But at the same time, it's really important to make sure that you're giving your body the, enough of the tools it needs to be able to deliver what you're asking of it from a from a performance standpoint.
0: And what I found a lot of times when we are trading the micronutrients, the nutrient-dense foods for uh, some of the macro, macronutrient-dense foods, and it's like swapping out, like salads for like starches or carbohydrates, right? Like mm-hmm. that ends up being like a lot of greens, a lot of fruits. And although they are great for, from a micronutrient perspective, you have to eat a tremendous amount of volume to really make up for what, it, what you need in terms of like your energy sources. Yeah. So that's, that's always one thing where it's like that, that conversation is kind of hard because I've found that it might be just be the narrative around like personal health and weight loss and not necessarily directed toward an athlete.
1: Yeah. And this is actually one of my favorite archetype groups to work with because to get someone who's, and, and you know, I'll be honest, it's mostly f- carb phobic individuals. And, and, mm. and, and, that's, that's understandable, right? Because I mean, we, in our society, we are, you know, there, we're, we're certainly seeing, you know, a, a bigger craze around the, the keto, the high fat, low carb, especially for weight loss. And, and it is an effective, um, It is an effective weight loss tool, but what we're seeing is it's really not, it's not, that's, it's not very sustainable. So it has, it's, it's effective for a period of time. And then when it's no longer sustainable for an individual, you know, now, now you've got an individual who's been used, accustomed to a high fat diet, and now they're incorporating back their carbohydrates. And so now they're getting, and the carbohydrates from before they went on this keto or high fat, low carb diet we're probably not the most nutrient dense choices. And so now you've got very high caloric carbohydrate um, foods paired with the, um, you know, paired with a tendency to eat higher fat because that's what you, the individual's been used to for a while. And now you've got kind of a double whammy where you never really, you didn't really learn much throughout that process, but now you really love bacon and heavy creams, and high fat yogurts on top Full of yogurts.
0: avocados. Yeah. Avocados yeah. and everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, which, you know, in, in served in a appropriate portions are obviously good for you, but yes, then it's like, okay, we need to incorporate more carbohydrates in this and you almost have to flip it for them.
1: Right. Right. It's right. like, we
0: need to Put in a lot more of these carbohydrates bring these fats maybe down closer to the floor and just to see how things kind of happen and you mentioned it before there is just there is this propensity to be generally carbohydrate adverse yeah so when these the first steps for these athletes are trying to you know essentially flip their energy carbohydrates can be a bit of a barrier there right yeah. how can you help people get over that or introducing more of uh, the carbohydrates that they might need to their into their diet.
1: Yeah, so my mind goes to a couple of things with this, like the first the first thing is, um, you know, we get into tracking with tracking macronutrients, it's always good to get a baseline of, of, of where an individual's at. And I think, you know, we discussed that before starting this was that, that that's something we uh, that, that's a very important first step with individuals is getting them to, to track. I mean, and again, this is most individuals We'll t- will chat about alternatives, of course, later, but Um, you know, if, if it's possible, getting a baseline of, of, you know, the macronutrient distribution across a day, that's typical for that individual is important to kind of see where we're working with. Um, but educating about carbohydrates, especially the importance in endurance sports, um, is kind of step number one. You know, you, you know, educating about how, you know, the muscle contraction is really driven by carbohydrate, driven by stored glucose in the form of glycogen in the muscles. Um, and how carbohydrate fuels higher intensities exercise, mm-hmm. so it's mm-hmm. just, it's just not, you will not be able to reach those higher intensities with a high fat diet, um, and because, and it's a less efficient fuel source and, um, and it requires oxygen. And so if you're looking, especially in these anaerobic, um, sub, ana- anaerobic substrate systems, it's, it's not gonna be, you're not gonna be able to achieve that.
0: It's just a bit slower things are not just you're just not going to be able to produce it the way that you need to and there's there might be a, a place for this if you're just doing super easy running a lot mm-hmm. but most of us aren't and most of the people who are listening are preparing for some sort of event one way or another that's going to put you in that you know where you do need the oxygen oxygen-rich environment where carbohydrates are going to thrive a little bit more so yeah. yeah so that that's a great place to, to put as educating on like how this is actually going to hell right
1: right because that's not it's it's hard to get an individual past that barrier if they don't understand why they need carbohydrates
0: right and they there's definitely a feeling associated with eating more carbohydrates that you don't get in when you're eating maybe high fats even maybe if it's like calorie for calorie that it might be the same just like the feeling that kind of comes along carbohydrates is a bit different, right? Sure. Like you might feel a little bit fuller. Uh, your body composition might not always look as good sometimes. So you might not look as lean Some somehow, I feel like. Uh, and then the transition when you start eating a little bit more of them, you start to, to even retain some some more like water weight, right? So if you're yeah. tracking the carbohydrates that you're taking in with like your your weight on the scale, you might see that scale uptick in like a day or two. And it's just right. a matter of like taking in water. So, like, there's a barrier there for as well. It's like, oh, crap, like, see, I knew these were gonna make me fat, <laughs> type Yeah, of
1: but I think that's really initial, <laughs> and that's important to point out that I have a mm-hmm. lot of clients who, um, who then have the reverse effect where, you know, they start eating more carbohydrates, and they're like, wow, I'm looking a lot more defined. Um, you know, I, and which, which makes sense because your, your muscles, if you're not, you know, because our muscles can store, we can store about 400 grams of carbohydrates. Um, in our muscles, when those are now, when we're starting to allow our bodies to store glycogen in our muscles, we start seeing bigger de- muscle definition. And so, so I think that transition area, that transition time, can always be um, a little bit. You know, when you're on edge and you're like, okay, well, I'm starting something new. I'm starting more carbohydrates. Like, I'm scared. I'm nervous. You start being really hyped, like hypocrite or not hypocritical but hypersensitive to um Mm -hmm. to any like little changes but i always find that that's it's pretty brief in that transition period because then it's like wow i actually look a lot more defined because now your muscles are filling out
0: and that's some sort of bodybuilding like i don't know exactly how bodybuilders manipulate water they like they do this what do you have any idea how they do it it's like they drink a lot of water They, they don't drink a lot of water then they drink a lot of water and then they they like because they're going yeah, to they urinate wanna lose, more, they, and wanna they lose water more.
1: weight. But then it has to do with like the sodium, you know. Then they then they eat a high sodium um, diet uh, before their show, I think, and then they consume a lot then of water. It so really
0: it retains, holds
1: on to them, and, and they're very vascular. On top of that, so yes, yes. So kind of get. I know I don't I don't I don't dip much into that world either. Um, but but that is I want
0: to like try it one time just to see. Just it to would see be what very happens.
1: interesting. I think it. I think it. The, I'm not willing to risk my relationship with food and my body to go <laughs> yeah. through something like that um, because I just see a lot of individuals that come to me that are have passed that phase and it's a very broken th- – there are some very broken relationships and psychological kind of uh, – I mean it's sad. It's sad because you, you just – It's brutal. It's yeah. brutal and, and it's it's such a fleeting moment to look – you know, to, to achieve that, that type of aesthetic. And then it's, it's gone because it's not sustainable. And you're always comparing yourself to a you that was really not healthy. You know, it was not, that was not a healthy individual. It was, it was was a starved and manipulated individual in terms of, you know, you're, you're manipulating your body to look a certain way with, with the use of you know, it was very, very long cardio sessions and you know, very specific, very, very food. Yeah, yeah oh, get, their
0: calories get low.
1: Yeah, it's, it's kind of heartbreaking, honestly.
0: <laughs> yeah, so. I know. Whenever whenever I meet this uh, former bodybuilder, I'm always I always have that thought. It's like, wow, hope you're doing okay yeah, with the food yeah, thing now because it is pretty crazy. Yeah, but, but not dissimilar to a lot of like what endurance athletes go through, and like you mentioned that thing, like comparing themselves to someone who they were in the past where they may have been malnourished or underfed like that is very s- closely tied to the, the two of those two sports Definitely. and there's a lot of relationship issues there with that. Um, but, Oh, but that was going to say with the tracking part you made a great point. It's like, yes, it's temporary. It's going to come back around. It's gonna be better. I always like to go off of like a 10 day average, you know, never like the day-to-day and keeping it. So having something that shows like the amount of time and how your weight is averaging, if, even if it's like a week, like just that week yeah. or if you do have some way to calculate it over that time, because that gives you a much more indicative like value as opposed to, oh, I'm up two pounds because maybe you didn't do it's You didn't sweat as much yesterday think, or something like that.
1: Absolutely. I think that, I think having the, the sheets, I think having like um, some sort of, of template that you're between you and your coach or the coach and the individual to really kind of see your intake over time even just from a numerical standpoint like of course the food quality is um is something i like to focus in on as well but like just from the macro level and if you're tracking certain micronutrients too which i often do just having that listed out in front of you like whether you're tracking on something like MyFitnessPal and then transferring that information over into a spreadsheet it's like Wow, it's like it's so eye opening for an individual, especially from overall from total calories to, you know, protein, carbs, fat, like just seeing that distribution, and without everything else tied in is really eye opening for both I find the client and obviously, as as the coach to help them address certain areas.
0: The the awareness that that brings is invaluable. It really it could you can learn so much even in just like, two days, you should probably track longer because just more data, but like it's, you can learn a lot even in a day or two of like, oh wow, I thought my protein was higher. Oh, I thought my fats were lower. It's like, oh my God, I had no idea how much a tablespoon of peanut butter is, is like the joke, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, oh my God, I've been eating way too much peanut butter type of thing. Um, yeah, just measuring things out, tracking for a little bit. I, I I definitely think is a awesome, awesome. Yeah. And maybe someone's like,
1: maybe someone at a meal at each meal time (laughs) is like, oh yeah, like I think I eat really balanced what like good quality, meals. But then when you stack them all together in a total, like a daily total, it's like, oh, crap, I didn't know I was eating 150 grams of carb or sorry, of fat. But like, I could see how <laughs> that's, yeah. shaking, that's taking up the majority or a huge bulk of my caloric intake for the day. And so in those cases, step two, aside from the tracking and just bringing that awareness is, okay, you know, a, a slow decrease. Obviously, I'm not going to I'm, you know, for an individual, I'm not all of a sudden just going to like flip their nutrition 180 and, and expect them to do something completely different. But I will, you know, if, if their fat intake is around 150, it's like, okay, well, let's try to, let's bring that down to 125 or let's just start to get an awareness of like what things in your day, especially if, you know, because, because it's not necessarily just the high fat, that's the issue, It's it's just, you know, in an endurance setting. But it's because with that much fat you're likely feeling fuller and so your your carbohydrate or and or protein is going to take a big toll so it's it's a there's a give and take um and you know that that turns into an unideal situation so that's, that's a good that's a good point that and slowly learn to increase the carbs maybe simultaneously or maybe it's the protein that's really low and they need to bring that up and then you know they're getting used to okay now now i'm building an awareness about fat intake and i'm not going crazy i'm not to cut a ton out but i'm just being more aware of things that are high-fat in my diet that probably don't need to be quite as high. Like, okay, what could I— could I cut out— you know, can I just change the whole milk to reduce— you know, reduce fat milk or low-fat milk? Um, or could I, you know, cut out some of the butter I'm using and work mm-hmm. Or, like I said, half an avocado instead of a full avocado.
0: <laughs> that's a big one. <laughs> Avocados are crazy. Start tracking those things out. Oh, yeah. But, um, the— yeah, that's a, like— having and then you get an idea of what they look like too right so then you're more equipped to go out in the worlds where you're not in this contained place where you're measuring everything to kind of have an eyeball for it you could do the precision nutrition thing at all where it's like a palm of i've seen their protein i've
1: seen their templates and i I think some of their like hand eye um kind of measurement uh strategies like some of them are pretty some, some of those are like decent to go off of, right? Like a, a thumb, a thumb for your fat. Like like, something. Okay. like, okay, if, if, if all we have is our body parts to, to measure <laughs> measure a certain food intake, like I'm not opposed to that.
0: We can talk about that with the people, maybe the data adverse people, yeah. that could be a source for them. So with this, a lot of times I've found because they're not like, their hunger signals might be mixed up like their um what is it ghrelin and what's the other ones leptin Leptin and ghrelin they're they're, like they might not have a great sense for for what those are like when they're consistently underfed so when you start to get more food or you're mixing their macronutrients up a little bit and and their food volume might go up and they might feel a little bit more full so it's hard to even hit the numbers that are what, what might be even at the like maintenance or even below their maintenance, right? Like working your way toward that. If you're slowly building them up, say they're regularly in a 500, a 700 calorie deficit, trying to get them back in one shot, like one day overnight, it's like a lot of food. Mm -hmm. So there is a barrier for some athletes I've found to like actually eat enough when it comes to carbohydrates and protein in particular, we talk about fats, fats can just really stack up real quick. Um, what, what are some strategies or some, some, maybe some more practical foods that you found help people get up into these numbers that they might need to be safer carbohydrates Let's start? Is there anything in particular Mm -hmm. you like to kind of guide people toward?
1: Well, so yeah, like if, if I find like just first things first, if I'm working with an individual and I find that they're, you know, 500 to 700 calories lower, consistently lower, but based off of their, you know, three to five day food log that they did for me, if, if I find that they're. That far off from what their estimated needs are, I'm not going to have them try to make up that gap in, um, you know, right off the bat. It'll probably be a gradual, you know. First, it's probably just just finding consistency with their kind of average of where they're at now. And oftentimes, I'll find that even within that, they start to like their hunger starts to increase just by being consistent, consistent Mm -hmm. rather than one day at. 1500 the next day at 3000. It's like, okay, whoa, let's, let's try to, let's try to find a middle ground here. And then with that consistency, uh, you certainly, certainly highlights, um, different hunger signals over time, but then also it'll just be like a very gradual increase with, with calories. And that, that seems pretty manageable. And of course, like working one-on-one with individuals, that's, you know, that's when I'll have them shoot me a text if if they're like hey i'm just you know it's been a couple of days i've been really trying to hit this number but i'm just so stuffed and like the last thing i want the hard part with with coaching is like you you don't you want to work within that person's body to help them get to know themselves and not learn to override signals hunger signals fullness mm-hmm, signals mm-hmm. so i'm really particular about that because if i find that an individual i'm working with is Beyond full every, for the past four days, like I don't want to keep them, you know. Regardless of where I think that their intake ought to be, I don't want to get them into a habit of completely like overriding those body cues, uh, because we just have we have so many distractions uh, in the world these days, and and we're so we're so bad at listening to our bodies in the first place. We're relying on a bunch of gadgets and and this mm-hmm. and that to tell us how to feel and where we're at. So if if there's a little piece of that I can still hold on to, especially from a food standpoint, um, then then I want I want to hang on to that. Now, some people, you know, especially with with um, endurance athletes, you get a lot of individuals who are quote unquote intuitive eating, being mindful about their eating, um, and listening to their hunger fullness cues, and you know what we know about a lot of times higher intensity exercises that it can suppress. Those signals and suppress appetite, so it, it's not always a good approach to just rely on listening to your body. Which is why the tracking is helpful and working with a coach is helpful. So it's like, hey, wait, wait, I need you to get at least here, um, you know, to X amount, but you know, I obviously don't want you to eat beyond your your what you're willing to
0: right let's get you let's get you to the floor that we know like because this is like alarming a little like let's get you to here and just see and just so we can cover our bases a little bit because those two points that you make they're just like almost opposite right it's like your body's so wild with these signals like that you can be in this lower like this lower calorie intake and your body can still main like still maintain itself and still operate to a certain degree and you might not think anything's wrong and then the opposite side like you said like you start eating a little bit more and you start to feel more hungry or mm-hmm. like, yeah, listening to where your body is or what the body's telling you. Cause it's probably right. Like there's only so much we could tell from, you know, numbers and spreadsheets and stuff. Right. Uh, so, so it, that's one of those parts that is just freaking complicated with it. It's like, which part here is truly the appropriate act course of action. Um, and just going through it with trial and error.
1: Yeah. And, and I think like there are strategies within that, right? So if someone's like, Oh my gosh, I'm so stuffed. Like you told me to eat this amount, or you, you, you know, you had my macros or intake or goals, just you know, at this amount. And there's just no way. It's like, okay, well, let's look at the, let's look at how you spread that out across the course of a day. Because a lot of people will be like, well, yeah, I don't, I don't really eat breakfast, so I kind of just had a small thing here, ate lunch, and then, yeah, I was so hungry by the time I got off work, and I just ate a ton. But I still had 1,500 calories to go, and I just couldn't eat it then. It's like, okay, well, then that, you know, if that's if you're just relying on getting your intake through three meals a day and it starts off Mm -hmm. small and gets bigger, well that's an approach that I want to work with you on on changing so that we can start to manage a higher calorie intake. But it's never you know that that's not gonna go away if anytime soon if you're gonna if you stick with a you know the small breakfast, medium lunch, giant dinner. So it's it's trying to figure out ways to to build bigger meals. Insert snacks when necessary, especially around training, like pre and post, and trying to fit in more calories spaced out across the day a little bit better.
0: Yeah, increasing the frequency and like and the the volume, you know, one one way or the other. Sometimes I like to just have people make little additions, just like putting honey or syrup or like these liquid style like liquid sources of carbohydrates sure. or like a fruit juice, just so it's not so voluminous. Mm-hmm. Um, I found it can be pretty helpful. Do you have any like little, little tips like that?
1: Well, like on that point, like smoothies are just a great way to get a lot mm-hmm. of calories in and it, without it seeming like so much, right? You don't have to go through the process of chewing the full fruit. Like, you know, if we, if we put a whole banana in a smoothie plus some, you know, a couple of strawberries and then this and that, it's like, okay, if you were just to take that separately outside of the smoothie and eat all of those things, like that would, that would you. Be- Feel pretty stuffed, whereas you blend it all together. So much chewing, yeah, so yeah. much chewing, you, you start getting full. So I mean, it is not only it's a great way to get a lot of uh, a lot of nutrients in in uh, in a very portable manner, um, but it's also you know it's also a way to get you could you can definitely find ways to get higher calories in there, especially adding oats to smoothies. Um, if you're thinking about how to build carbs um, up a little higher and, and, and less fat. Of course, like, you know, you can put nut butters in there. <laughs> but, again, when it kind of comes to our fat issue of getting, you know, uh, if we're trying to be mindful of fat intake. So, yeah, using a fruit base with the smoothies, adding oats to smoothies, maybe um, focusing on higher carbohydrate-dense food fruits like pineapple and mango and bananas as opposed to, you know, berries, which are going to be lower, you know, for a cup of berries, you're going to get less carbohydrate than a cup of ma- mm-hmm. mango or pineapple. Uh,
0: so. Right. Figuring out which sources are appropriate because that's one thing when people make with smoothies, like start dumping spinach and kale in them and everything. Mm-hmm. It's like uh good, but the purpose again is to raise those macros up, right? It's for your your energy, not the micros. right? Like and and dates green.
1: Dates in your smoothies are going to be a great head way head to get a lot of carbs. Uh, if and if someone's like you know really looking for a more quote unquote natural source or something that's you know whole foods based, that's there you go. It's very high carbohydrate, as
0: incredibly dense, yeah, ridiculously dense yes. in in in, in, car- in carbohydrates and so sweet and delicious. And they feel- should get some dates. They should. We could talk about this one forever, but let's let's switch to the next one. I think we did a good job of kind of wrapping that up, of talking, like, but creating the awareness, making sure that you are eating up. And, and one thing you did mention, how people do start to look bad, that's almost always the case, I found, is once you start to eat more, you almost start to lean out. So if, like, you are even, like, wanting to lose some, lose some fat, and you're, like, chronically low, I found more often than not, you raise those calories up, you start to lean out.
1: Well, because I think mean, a lot of people forget that you know, okay, carbohydrates drive higher intensity exercise and it drives a lot of our, just, just our movement in general. So all of a sudden you start fueling yourself more appropriately with carbohydrates. You have a lot more energy to expend in various Mm. aspects of your day. So like your, um, non-energy or sorry, uh, you, you Non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Exercise, that's it. Yeah, needs, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> the acronym is meat. That goes that can go way up when you start fueling yourself more, um, but then also transitioning from transitioning toward more carbohydrates. So those those can add up to several hundred calories per day. And if you're you know on top of a really good workout session because you're able to achieve those higher intensities, now you've now that that expenditure is is increased and you've maybe created um, somewhat of a deficit while also feeling better, um, and more energized throughout your day. So, that's kind of like the, uh, the perfect scenario. It doesn't happen all the time, but for certain individuals, depending on where their intake was beforehand, and then, you know, what that's adjusted to, it can certainly have a major positive outcome.
0: And along those lines, we just mentioned, we're talking, we're dipping into fat loss a little bit now. And the last, the last archetype was focused primarily on Uh, performance. Mm -hmm. And you and I, when we're coaching athletes, typically, you know, sometimes the goal will be to lose, lose fat or to, to lean out a little bit, but these athletes can also sometimes want to perform well in races, right? So they're coming with multiple kind of goals at hand here, and they're not always like going to benefit one another. So When someone kind of comes to you with this where it's like yeah i want to perform my best possible but i also want to get to lose lose weight you know i want to see x amount of number on the scale whatever it is how do you kind of go about this type of person
1: yeah so i mean like let's just take the ocr space since that's something we're both familiar with and probably have a, a good audience in but you know if if they do have a performance goal And they have body composition goals. I'll take a look at, um, you know, what their performance timeline looks like. So if they're – the hard part with our sport is that there's races all the time. And so uh, you definitely have individuals who are just year-round racers. Like they're just going to do – they're going to do something in December, March, in the summer, and then fall. And it's just like, oh, boy, like that's year-round. Which, you know, that was something it took me a while to – um, to adjust to was, was, Hey, let's pick a races and then let's have B and C races where, you know, maybe if you still want to, if you want to do everything and, and you want to, you want to race year round, let's pick what the priority races are. So first and foremost, I'll kind of talk to an individual about, um, you know, what their performance goals are first and foremost, and if that's looming in the near future, uh, or if that's something several months from now. So timeline is so key, um, with, figuring out which which of those goals takes the top priority
0: so with this because I feel often I think there's there's two types of athletes that come to mind here but the first one it typically like if their their fat loss can then propel their performance right yeah. if I could be if I could be a little bit leaner uh, and I could be more apt to perform especially in endurance endeavor and that's not always incorrect mm-hmm. right like potentially like usually that is like it, the more the less weight you have to carry around, better you'll, the more efficient you'll be in terms of performance. So I think often athletes will come with that goal. It's like, if I could just lose five pounds or whatever they, they decide, I think I could then reach a new level of performance. So when you're looking at the season in a full scope, how much time would you, and say like, okay, like there's enough time for, to do a, a, a good cut, to, to put you in a caloric deficit, have you lose some weight. Um, and say so you have the whole calendar year of races to to play around with, how much time would you suggest you have someone in that type of cut? And then when would you want it to stop before there is uh, like a race looming? Like how much time would you give them to kind of get back into maintenance?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a good question, and I and I think um, yeah, gosh, it, it, it's a good question. I definitely think you're going to want a couple months for for each phase. Like right, I think I think to be in a deficit without, you know, it's not like you're gonna be in a deficit for three months, but it's like to be able to have time to be in a deficit, but then offset that with some maintenance, time at maintenance, back into deficit. Cause most of the time people are like mm-hmm. especially with athletes, it's not just gonna be um, this one prolonged deficit until we get you down to a crazy low amount of of, of intake and then expect, you you know, and then, and then ramp it all back up again, ready to go like you're, you know, that's, that's not, it's, that's not an effective strategy. And so I think what a lot of times, um, what's a better approach is, you know, having a period of, of several weeks where you're in a deficit coming out back to a new maintenance, um, level of, of calorie intake, and then, you know, bring it, bring those calories back down again. And just seeing, it's almost a little bit cyclical where, um, where you see kind of how, what progress is being made? How much progress is being made? But also, you know, and, and if we can get some sort of bod pod or um body fat assessment done, like that's ideal too. Because just losing, you know, the lot, I think a lot of times weight loss, especially in, in a very rapid amount of time, is going to be a lot of times muscle mass as opposed to fat mass. Right. So just be, like having making sure you're tracking that consistently or have some way to assess that throughout is so important because. I think a lot of people think that weight loss is going to lead to better results, uh, it, better performance outcomes, and it's and so oftentimes we see that being completely butchered um, because it's it's not done correctly. That weight loss is 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 really what it, all that it is. Weight loss. It's not. It's not fat loss. It's not any type it's of recomp. Um, right. and, and and I think you know we're and I and I love seeing athletes kind of. Um, changing the narrative a little bit on that, where it's it's you know you you can have bigger bodies that are performing um, just as well as some of those smaller bodies like in, in our sport, especially where you know you have such a big strength component too. So I think it's um, you know so so I definitely always I definitely want to challenge and and that's why I would say if someone's coming to me with a performance goal and a f- fat loss or body recomposition goal, Usually, uh, because usually their performance goals are or their performance, like they're training for something kind of on the sooner side. Um, Usually, I will tackle the performance goal first and be like, "Hey, well, let's let's get you prepared for this event. You know, it's a couple, maybe it's a month or two out, um, or or more than that, which is even better. But it's like, hey, let's first take this approach. Like, maybe you haven't done much with your nutrition in a while." let's just take the approach of you know you're not trying to i get it you're not trying to gain weight but if the worst thing that happens is we maintain while also increasing your performance like i can't, would you be that mad and be like yeah definitely not like i you know i'd love to perform better <laughs> and you know you've been you know maybe they've been at maintaining for quite some time now so that's a win right there so like you said initially sometimes just by changing up one's nutrition to to favor performance can have some favorable body compositional changes simultaneously so that's and especially like you said when we're focused on more carbohydrates higher protein decreasing that fat a little bit your, your workouts feel great you're building your confidence you're seeing you know you're you're because you're able to get more out of your workouts you're probably creating a little bit of a calorie deficit um, at mm-hmm. times, or you know, just being able to lose some of that fat while, while, you know, in in certain cases, um, or it, building lean muscle mass. So I I think that's usually like where I like to start because I think it does so much more for an individual than just get them fixated on weight loss, fat loss, and and that kind of like there's not a whole lot of goal setting within that um, that comes about. It's really just an individual so fixated on the number the scale it's, it's it can put them in a pretty ugly spot psychologically
0: and sometimes that is the ultimate goal for the person right is the body right comp. it is ne- not necessarily the performance right uh, we were talking before it's like that just makes it way easy it's like all right well then we'll just work toward body composition and your performance might be the secondary goal mm-hmm. so like being clear with what the actual goals are and not maybe have it veiled under this like ocr performance Veil. It's like, uh, like let's actually just do the body composition. We can knock that out, and like then we can get into maintenance, and then you can worry about the races down the road. Mm -hmm. But the the approach of performance first is is definitely a a, a great way to kind of to kind of look at it. And then, so I guess I was just thinking, like, when would you absolutely? When would be the long, the the soonest the the longest you let somebody be in a deficit before pulling them out in a race, like in an ideal scenario, was it like two weeks, six weeks? Like where, uh, what do you think they should be at maintenance leading into a race? Because this is something I think happens a lot in, in our sport where it's like, okay, there's a goal race coming up and people might run a deficit all the way up into that race trying to run, lose three or four pounds and yeah. then they perform poorly.
1: I mean, so, and, and personally, I, I don't have a lot of, I haven't worked with a lot of clients who like, well, I'll have clients who, want to do that recomp or or off-season weight loss, Um, but most of the time you have a ramp up with events where it's like you're not going to come out of your off-season where this is an ideal time to lose. And then go right into a peak race, right? So it's like that's it's usually mm-hmm. going to be some sort of build up, a couple of races, and then you know then you'll have your big the championship or whatnot. So so I I think by the time you get to you know if that's the case that's even better, right? Because okay, once races start getting back into action, yeah, it's no longer time to really to be to be in a deficit by any means, um, and. Hopefully that gives you a couple months still leading up to your A race, your ultimate A race. Um, but so I so I don't have a ton of instances where I'll have an individual like wanting to go right up to like a, 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 a an A race on their schedule. But I would definitely think like having a I would think it would go well with a training block, like one full training cycle, uh, like intense training cycle leading up to a race, and that's where it helps so much to work with an individuals strength coach or running coach or whatever prog- training program they're on they're on it helps like i want to know exactly what they're doing when they're starting certain training blocks because if they're starting a an intense training block leading up to their first race um yet they're still in a calorie deficit that's just not going to work like it's, it's just not ideal so that's when I'll, it goes
0: back to eat i'll
1: usually have them yeah finish that deficit or really be out of that cutting phase and start you know they might not be in a they're, they're certainly still going to be in On the lower side of caloric intake, they might be in their new maintenance Mm -hmm. zone, which is going to be lower than where they started. Um, And then, you know, obviously, on top of that, then they're going to ramp up their training. And then that's going to be where the nutrition component gets more challenging. And you have to work with the increase in output to, you know, to you have to relate that with their nutrition. And that's where it gets very dynamic. Um, it could get very nitty gritty, um, and, and and very challenging on a coaching side of things, but
0: yeah. And that might might have to be for someone who might be a little bit more advanced in terms of how much they've, uh, like how much skill they have in terms of taking in food and being able to kind of identify those, those multiple things, but it does kind of go back to what you're saying about the, the timeline of things. Like, I love that, like, okay, like your goal race, if you have this, uh, goal of uh, being in a deficit and and cutting weight, your goal race can't be Jacksonville right. in February, right. right? That's not an A-race now. Right. Like it's just not like everything is, needs to be pushed to the fall and just having that kind of um, burned into people's brains because that's like, that is what's so challenging about this. And it's like all these other races don't do us as any favors because like they just kind of pop up now. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, now it's championship in March. It's like, oh, great. And like all these different things are just kind of uh, hard to really – take time to set, to set out. But if you do have an appropriate timeline, you'd be like, okay, this year is going to be focused on fat loss and then performance in the second half. I think that's probably the best bet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think the furthest away those, the deficit, the body and, and I mean, if you, and again, like if you're looking for substantial weight loss or fat loss, like that's, that needs to happen as far away as possible from your, your true, like your ultimate a race, right? If you can get, you know, winter and then summer like great that's that's a that's a great spread or maybe even like immediately after your a race for the year like let's just say ocr world championships was this past weekend if that was the last race for a lot of people uh obviously they need you know take some time to recover um chill out a little bit especially if they've been training really hard all year round but then you know this late fall slash winter is a perfect time to really hone in on that um, and it's hard cause then the holidays come up and you can just find all the excuses in the world to, <laughs> to, <laughs> to not do that. So holidays,
0: holidays are, I can't, there's been a, a, several times people come to me like in like November, like, all right, it's time. I'm like, okay, are you sure? <laughs> You're like, um, <laughs>
1: Thanksgiving, Christmas, but okay. Like, let's go. But I almost yeah, like can, those, I like working with individuals who come to me then more so than like you know because you always get the flux around january 1st and that's great but if you can find if someone comes to you and is like wants to hit it hard in november december you're like damn that's dedication <laughs> like all gonna, right gotta get the hardest part out yeah, of the way all right I, I, yeah. I appreciate you
0: and then this is something that i've found like that is can be a trap for athletes to to kind of fall into is of like habitually trying to lose weight and then kind of get back and and eat food and, and perform well and like there's never any like dedicated time like how I've been talking to. And that it kind of leads to like this inconsistency, this kind of like up and down and there's never really any good set progress that happens. And that's what this next type of uh, athlete or person or or that we typically would run into kind of falls into. We call them like the roller coaster, right? The people who are like in, are way in, or then they're way out. Or then like they kind of make these Uh, like something happens in their head and they want to make a change, but then social plans happen and then things have to kind of wait. So when you come across people like this who might not necessarily be all in or, or somewhat in, and you're trying to work with them, try to get them on a straight Mm -hmm. path. Like how do you kind of go about that?
1: Yeah, that's hard. I actually have, I have a couple clients that fall into those categories perfectly. So, um, but I, I think A couple things so so one and and there's two slightly separate groups here but you could certainly make a case for the same group but I think one is perhaps the person who's you know races every you know like every couple of weeks there's a race but they're not they don't have they're not someone who has like a races and B races and C races they're just kind of like yeah I like to do this and and they get really motivated around their race time coming up but then, outside of that, then it's like, oh yeah, if they're not a if they're not a couple weeks from their race, then they're then they're kind of just pretty laid back about their nutrition. And you know, first things first is you can't, as a coach, you can't make someone want something, right? You can't make someone more vote motivated. Mm-hmm. Um, like that has to come from them. So I think what I try to do is break it down into s- segments for them. Like if they're not someone who, who it was an A, B, C kind of race person. I try to I try to help them configure their schedule to like to adopt a little bit more of that kind of look. Like, okay, well, okay, you've got these couple of races and I always want to know with clients what they're like a couple months out, what's going on, what are they planning on, so I have like the long-term view at least for a couple months. Um, that way I can kind of be like, all right, well, like let's and I like a lot of times like breaking up into chunks, like, okay, hey, you've got four weeks till this race. Let's really try to focus. Let's really try to hone in on on you know this period of time. Um, if they're really social and they have a lot of social um, instances throughout the week, especially with where there's some alcohol consumption and like just meals that maybe aren't they're not able to track, and so they don't kind of like so therefore they just kind of throw their arms up and just eat whatever. Like you know, mm-hmm. I think that's. Um, that's when all kind of presents them okay like you know here are your goals you came to me with these goals um you know you've got this race coming up we've got four weeks this is a time like i try to break it down to segments so that they can stay you know really motivated for a period of time depending on what their goal was so that you know they can kind of see themselves okay i can see myself going you know just like those 30-day challenges like oh yeah, I could see myself staying in this for 30 days. And then when that 30 days is up, okay, maybe they t- do their race, they have fun, they have a little like recovery week after, and maybe they're a little bit um, more laid back about their approach. And then we reel it back in. And so if that's, if that's the individual, then I'm going to work with him on that kind of schedule. And I'm going to try to like have them pick and choose. I mean, for most of my clients anyways, I want them to have a life. I want them to feel like they can go out and, have some drinks with friends and not feel like they have to calculate every little thing like that's just not living Mm -hmm. to me and so i want everyone i work with to be able to not feel like they have to sacrifice those things but if there's someone who's doing that like four times a week it's like okay we got to pick and choose Mm -hmm. when like and, and being social doesn't always have to mean food right food and alcohol and i think that it is so much in our society related to that so it's hard to but it's like hey can you can you just still hang out with your friends but You know, pack your own, you know, pack a little bit of a meal or snack beforehand so that you're not really tempted to just indulge with everyone else. You know, like,
0: yeah, that's that that part itself is an interesting conversation. Uh, And I want to talk about that in one sec. But like you mentioned one thing that I've also that's kind of how I operate <laughs> and like I've, I've used that with some athletes who I coach too I just call it like lifestyle periodization mm-hmm. it's like tr- you have training periodization where you're intense so your pre-competition phase like do the same thing for your lifestyle because yeah people beat themselves up if they're not like right. 10 like a right. perfect 10 365 and that's just right. not sustainable it's like you said it's like you're gonna either back out or it's like okay now that I'm not a 10 I might as well right. be a two where it's like just be like a six or a seven and then be a 10 for a couple weeks. You can do it. Um, just how like you can ramp up your miles for a yeah. little bit of time. Um, yeah. It makes it way, way easier to stomach. Yeah. your stomach down. There's not as much guilt associated no, with No,
1: totally. And I, and I like that. I think it's, and, and similarly, like if you're, you know, if you're a couple weeks out from a, a race that you're really excited about, it's a little bit easier for an individual to be like, you know what? No, I'm really focused on this. I'm going to. You know, I'm gonna kinda draw a line here with certain, you know, certain social gatherings that maybe might not serve them as well. But it's like we're not asking them to indefinitely, you know, do that. It's just more of, hey, like let's we're we're really trying to focus in on this period of time. Then after that you've got some time where no race is coming up. I like the the lifestyle periodization aspect of that. And then and then reeling it back in. You
0: yeah. know. Maybe may not track for a little bit, eat whatever you want, drink some, do yeah. do your thing. And the 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 social aspect and connected with food and drink. Yeah. It's funny when people, you know, where they do associate the food that they're eating to like their happiness. Yeah. And it's like, mm, they're not, they're not the same. You know, people are like, Oh, well I'd be my life if I had to eat this. Like it, it, that's just seems to be an inappropriate relationship at yeah. that point, I would say as well. It's like, well, that it's not really what the food's purpose right. is and. From a biological standpoint right um but it's it's this i think people would be embarrassed to do like to bring snacks sure. and bring their food and like being able to share what they're doing with other people have you found that it's like and is it hard for that's a lot of the people who i'm thinking of where they're in a social situation it's like they almost don't want to speak up for what they yeah. want and it's just that they're like ah well since i'm here you know whatever everyone right. else is getting a drink i'll get a drink everyone else is well, like, and
1: i think whatever. i think we think that people care more than they really do too because it's like you know oh well if i don't get a beer like people are gonna ask me like why well, i'm not drinking I'm Like, okay they might be you know they yeah like when people are like oh you're not getting anything like are, or you have a water like i don't think people i think people respect boundaries um especially when people put out there like oh no i'm not i'm not drinking tonight or sometimes i'll be like hey blame it on me be like oh no i'm working with this nutrition coach and you know i'm just trying to trying to, to limit the alcohol intake. It's like, cool. And like they don't have to know, but I also think that we think we're ostracizing ourselves by not participating sometimes when, when really people could care less. Um, But you know, I have, I have a client who, um, right now who like, she climbs, she climbs in the evenings and then she goes, uh, like a lot of the times there's some social events, social gathering for food afterwards. And so, you know, I did propose the whole bringing bringing some food options, but I I get it. Like, if you're at a restaurant or if you're, you know, even if it's a casual place, like bringing your own food, like that, I can see how that would feel a little bit awkward for some people. So, for her, or for for my suggestions with her, is, you know, you need to focus on that post workout nutrition. Of course, you're going to be hungry after you're climbing, um, and it's really important to prioritize, you know, protein and carbohydrates after that. So all, so right now I have her really focusing on that post-workout nutrition, making sure like right after she climbs or when she's at the gym, she's eating something. And then when she goes to hang out with her friends, you know, at at a restaurant or just like a uh, a brewery or something, you know, she's already getting, you know, she's gotten, she's gotten that her her post-workout in. So she's less prone to like make a choice, a food choice that's just not serving her just because she's super hungry. Right, just ravenous, and it's been several hours since her workout. So, like, I think ways like that. Like, oh, eating something before you leave the house to go out for dinner, even though it seems weird, or to meet friends for this, it's like, even though that seems a little bit weird, it's like, well, you know, you're just probably you're, you're just not gonna you're just not gonna eat as much. You know, it's like you're, you know you don't have to yeah. you don't have to pay money to um <laughs> to eat food that's not serving you. So it's like you you make your choices at home, and then you know whatever you want to get at the restaurant. Um, on top of that, that fills out your meal, then go ahead. Um,
0: yeah, it's like you can have one slice of pizza and not just sit there and not right. eat anything as opposed to eating three. You just yes. eat like, have a protein shake and have some like yes. carrots or something. And that's beforehand.
1: where that all or nothing <laughs> yeah. approach. Like people are, you know, where it's so important to 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 realize that there's ways to make Things better. It doesn't have to be just like one end extreme, one end of the extreme or the other. I don't eat pizza with my friends, and I'm sitting there, the only one not eating. Or I eat ten slices. It's like, okay, yeah, there's a happy median, and it usually just requires a little, little forethought and planning, uh, pre-planning, which people, which is another thing I try to get clients to to wrap their heads around more of and be more uh, proactive about.
0: I think that's a really important point. Is that if you are serious about changing your nutrition and the way it serves you in performance or your body composition you're gonna have to work <laughs> like it's not just gonna happen because of the advice that you dole out to them or because that you're now accountable for. Them. they need it's very hard it's hard for that to make these changes in preparation and like having harder conversations with people or setting these boundaries like it's all part of that and um do you think people understand that when they're when they're reaching out, or do you think it's like <laughs> I
1: think they think it's going to be a lot easier than it really is because they want to be spoon fed and they want and and like I you know and probably you like we're there for our clients and and I want them to text me um you know anytime they need something or feel like they you know like like they they need some some expertise or some guidance. Um, but yeah i'm not like unless i'm unless someone's hiring me to live in with them which uh, i'm not going to take anyone up on anytime soon but like unless that's <laughs> the case like they still have to put in the work they still have to they still have to put in the planning and 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 that process like i spent a lot of time with clients on going about like the planning process but at the end at the end of the day like when we get off the call it's like it's they have to put they have to act now like we we discussed the game plan Now they have to go to the store. Now they have to buy these things. Now they have to pack them the night before. And that's, that, that can be a challenge for a lot of people.
0: It's a a tremendous challenge because you do eat a lot (laughs) and you're faced with these challenges and decisions to, to, to make these appropriate choices that are going to serve you. And like, there's a lot that's going to happen mentally. There's a lot of fighting that's going to happen upstairs. Um, And that's just like, I think that's the biggest challenge, but that's, only a part of it it's like the physical part like i said getting the food and preparing the food and logging your food and weighing it all
1: it's work it It is is. and and i think the idea is to put in you know to put in the work for a period of time until it becomes a little bit more manageable like everything out all at once first of all is always going to be is going to feel like a lot so that's why i try to break it down to smaller, smaller goals every single week with an individual so that we're not trying to focus on 10 different things at once and just, you know, being and then just having it feel really overwhelming. So breaking up into small goals is is one step I like to find that's helpful. Um, And then, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and then yeah, just like little, little baby steps. And all of a sudden they start to become more habits, right? It becomes habitual, it becomes a part of their lifestyle. Um, and then, you know, over time that requires less effort. So I think if people are really willing to put in some effort on the front end and realize that those things are hopefully going to stick with you, or those are things you can practice day in and day out that don't, that, that, that aren't compromising your quality of life, right? Like they're still, they're, um, you know, it's, it's not, we're not asking a whole lot. It's just, it's just something different than they're used to. Um, so once,
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I like the, the it kind of going back to the timeline thing. It's like doing little things, one, one little task every week, that every builds. other week. And if you have a, it builds. And if you're committed, not for 12 weeks, if you're committed for four years, it's like, you're going to learn a lot over that time. If you can just continue to kind of roll. And yeah, it's doesn't, it's, and it's it's work that sucks up front, like you mentioned, does get better, but it's it's such low hanging yeah. fruit, and if you're actually serious about improving your performance, like this is just one. It's not all about like hammering every workout, yeah, or or it's just such a big piece of it that if you're that serious.
1: Yes, and I love I, I I've used this phrase low-hanging fruit probably every day for the past like month. I feel like it's been like my <laughs> go-to phrase. And I think this this ties in actually really nicely to the um the the other archetype we have which is the person who just like totally has no background in nutrition, like has never focused mm. on that, but is now like interested in doing that and so it just reminds me with like the low hanging fruit thing. It's like, there are so many aspects of nutrition that are so basic and fundamental, but that have, you know, that are truly, um, that, that are truly like if you focus on it's it's like 80% of, the, of everything, right? It's like, so, you know, you can get into the super nitty gritty of like nutrient timing and, and pairing and all this stuff, but like, and periodization, but like, if you, if you can cover, you know, the, the, a couple fundamental um, pieces of kind of just general nutrition, you're covering 80% of it. And that's stuff that, that can stay with thick. That can be so basic and, and implemented every single day at every single meal. Um, it's almost like a no-brainer. So once you get, like, once you can wrap your head around that, um, you know, you're, you're covering the majority of, of your um, daily nutrition needs just by focusing on those few things.
0: And this is something, another part that I feel when people are are seeking out coaches, they want like these game changing Mm. tactics, the nutrient timing, the periodization that really matter so little that have almost nothing to do with your performance. If not nailing these foundational pieces, like you need those first before you even can start to think about anything that's going to be remotely Right, well, impactful. it's like
1: the individuals who are like, want to know all about certain supplements when their diet sucks. It's like, okay, well, you can't, you know, right? You yeah. can't out-supplement <laughs> a bad diet and it's, and, you know, but it, it's the sexier piece that everyone's like, you know, really wants to get into these big discussions about and, 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 <laughs> and it sounds really cool to talk about, but it is so far from being the game changers that really have a profound effect. Um, so. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the same with workouts. It's like there, there's like foundational pieces. Like just do a little bit more, a little bit harder each week. Progress, rest. Cover
1: these, make your muscles. And then group. you'll probably yeah, get. Yeah, better. exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, And it's like, well, what's specifically? How much time of recovery? It's like, don't. There's no secret. Right. There's no secret here. Just do the right. foundational stuff. Um, that's great. Um, well, cool, Grant. I don't keep you all day. We did talk about this, but I do want to catch up with you just real fast about yeah. some of the stuff you got going on. You just made a post today as we're recording this Tuesday. 28th. You're going back to yes, the Spartan I Games. I have
1: been invited back, and I'm very excited um, for this year's Spartan Games. It uh, sounds like it'll be in Big Bear, which is actually two and only like two or three hours from me so in San Diego, so I'm kind of excited that it's Sweet. close by. It is at altitude, so or <laughs> so I think 7,000 feet is just under is where Big Bear starts, so um, now I'm coming from sea level, which is...
0: <laughs> maybe they'll yeah, maybe, it'll snap yeah, back. Yeah. maybe that's how it works. Like, just come oh yeah, we right
1: remember back. you lived in Utah for four mu- four years. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> um so how are you feeling about it? Like how are you it seemed brutal and I know you've probably done t- a ton of press about it, but like are you excited? Is it like an exciting yes. adventure or is it a competition or like how do you how do you look yeah, no, it? Yeah, no, I'm
1: I'm very excited. Like we were talking about before kind of we started um started recording it's um it's just been a different year for me i thought i was going to be competing a lot more than i have and you know just other things have taken priority and it's been a a year of some pretty big life changes um and and all all great things that i wouldn't trade for anything but it's just been it's just been a whirlwind of a year and so i'm i the training has has been continuous um like I, i i never obviously there's, there's periods of time that ramp up or that are, you know, I can devote more time to it depending on my schedule than others. Um, and, you know, certainly the first half of this year was priority on work. And um, so, I, so I wasn't training as high, as much volume um, as I have been used to. And, but, but at the same time, like, just like nutrition, right? If we, if we don't have these big like yo yo's ups and downs and, you know, periods of time where we really focus hardcore and then other periods of time where we just totally let it go, if we kind of find this middle ground, whether that's nutrition or, you know, fitness, it's, it's a lot easier to kind of prepare or to be able to take on um, these events as they come mm-hmm. and, and feel excited because you can trust that you're, you know, you can trust in your preparedness for it. And I think something like this is—it's so varied. It's not just like, oh, it's going to be a 13 miles Spartan race. It's like, okay, well, that's very specific. <laughs> um, but if it's, you know, something like across ten different events, and I my training is so so varied, so it differs all the time, and I love that about it because it keeps me excited about training. Um, but to have something like this where it, it is all encompassing of the like different disciplines, it just makes me really excited.
0: Is there even like a way to prepare? <laughs> like you even like, could you even do it? <laughs> you know, it's just like, ah, I just hope I've done enough over the well, past several <laughs> years to be. Remotely yeah. Last year it. I
1: didn't feel like there was any way to prepare. It was just like, yes, uh, I, <laughs> we don't even know what there's going to be. I think knowing what last year's competitions um, were and knowing that based off of some of the, some of the quotes that we've gotten from the race organizers and being like a lot of them like there's going to be a lot of similarities with a couple differences um it, it obviously gives me a little bit to pull from right like okay like i'm gonna i'm gonna make sure i'm implementing some swimming in which i have been most weeks um there's gonna be some biking i've been able to mountain bike a bit I just gonna I've, I've been running i've been doing strength training so um you know gotta brush up a little bit on some wrestling um so, you know, like I kind of can pull from that a little bit. So I think you can be a little bit more prepared than going in with a complete mystery of what any of the events are going to be. Um, but it sounds like they've got some things up their sleeves that are going to be different still. So I don't, I don't think you can truly prepare. I think it really is a testament to just like your fitness level across the board and how varied your training is, which for me is a good thing for other people <laughs> who've had very specific training goals and... Maybe, maybe not so much, but.
0: And at least you have the idea, at least you know like sort of what it's gonna feel like over the course of days, like mentally and physically, like how like that might weigh on you. Yeah. So you can kind of
1: yeah, from Yeah, I think that. I'm gonna, um it'll be different cause we're not like staying on Joe's farm. I think we're gonna be in like different hotel rooms right. and you know, I'll probably pack a bit more nutrition like for me cause I think we were definitely, um you know at the hands of what they provided and sometimes the timing of it just what didn't work out to what like i would personally want so i think like you know coming in with a little bit more of like pr- being able to drive there obviously helps with um being able to pack some more, some more things um but it was like that was that was that was the t- some of the toughest four days and i think those really long ultra distance events like the five hour run the six hour uh or the six hour run the five hour mountain bike like We've been told that those we're not gonna be seeing distances like that. We're not gonna see anything multi hour okay. events, so I think that's gonna change the feel of it a little bit. It's not gonna feel like I mean that those were incredibly draining days back to back to back to back you know so um so the fact that that's not involved in there, I think is a little comforting. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and that that was a gripe I had with it. I mean, like with the programming pers- part, it's like we're gonna, they just were on the complete opposite side of the spectrum for most of it. They were maybe played in the middle with some of like the Spartan cross mm-hmm. or like with the DECA stuff. But for the most part, it's like the really strong people are gonna do well in some and the ultra endurance people are gonna do well on the other things. And like you saw with the who did well, like who were the, the top two on men and women both were. It's like, okay, it's like the most cardiovascular fit strongest person and the most, the strongest like Mm -hmm. ultra endurance person. Those are like the two people that you kind of found who can kind of like not get crushed Mm -hmm. in either direction. So I'd hope to see it a little bit more competitive, like in those middle ones.
1: And that's the sense I'm getting from it, that like there will be more of that middle ground, like a lot more anaerobic type of all out efforts. Um, That will be fun to spectate too. Like it'll be fun from a viewer standpoint, but then also um, you know, we'll we'll be taxing for sure but maybe not as drawn out and just like body crushing (laughs) as as those ultras because i mean i just remember like i was not even sure i could walk like after that ultra i was like waking up the next morning was i was it was just like okay am i gonna be able to (laughs) to get out of my bed? Or is it going to be, yeah, <laughs> Let's see. Like, oh, all right. And then just looking over at Lindsay and seeing her just like <laughs> wobble out of bed too. I was like, okay, well, we're all definitely hurting. Like even, you know, no matter where we finish and like what our, what our comfortability with an ultra is like, we're all, we're all hurting by day three and four.
0: Yeah. So it'll be fun. I mean, I'm sure they're going to play around with that mountain. It's going to be some fun stuff to do there. Yes, I know. I mean, don't have a ton of,
1: well, I've got a lot of soft sand, so I'm thinking that will be my, my friend for at least a couple more weeks. So yeah, I'm excited for that. That's, that's kind of what, that's what I've got right now. And that's what I'm kind of, um, keeping my sights set on and, and I'm going to enjoy it because it's, it's a testament to just how I like to train.
0: Cool. And how about the, the coaching biz? How are you taking on new athletes or clients at this point? Or yeah, I am taking on new
1: clients. Um, I kind of ebb and throw flow through uh wait list periods and whatnot, depending on uh, what the volume looks like and what's going on. But, um, yeah, I, I think the best way, um, is through my website. There's obviously a contact info area and you can um, reach out and I'll get back to you. But um, yeah, it's the the RDathlete.com and that can be found on my Instagram profile. Um, so yeah,
0: I'll make sure to link to the awesome. Whole deal yeah, no, love so. to hear from people. Cool. Well, I appreciate you taking yeah. time. Super fun. I really enjoyed this. Convo no, thanks, This is fun. Um, I'm. I mean,
1: it was fun to just have a whole hour allotted to speaking to nutrition specifically and and coming up with these different archetypes and Hopefully, this has been helpful for our listeners.
0: Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, we can get something from a little bit of all of them. But yeah, appreciate you. Thanks, taking the time. You
1: guys have a good day.
0: See ya.